Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams, and we are having another repeat guest on the show, David Hafner. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, you might know him as the Farmer Advocate. So... Since David and I last talked, David actually has a new job as an extension agent. And so we're going to talk about that, how he's working with 4-H, what 4-H is, the main differences between 4-H and, of course, FFA. Also, um, what he's been doing with Farm Bureau and how he was a part of a huge leadership program called the PALS program. We'll talk about some cool things he learned with that, how he learned to advocate for agriculture and Florida agriculture with state legislatures and how to talk to the media and also some really interesting issues going on with Florida agriculture what's been happening in the state the past couple of years um, I love talking about people um, about Florida ag what's been going on and David has a lot of really good perspectives on what's being done what are some struggles Florida farmers are facing and also like what everybody can do whether you're in Florida or, you know, how you can advocate for your state's farmers. And we'll also talk about what David has been up to with his farm. He's had some challenges the past couple of years um, where he had to, they changed land, they moved, and now they're getting back into the swing of things. So we'll talk about that as well. So be sure to check out David at the links below. He has, he shares in this episode that one thing he loves to do is share memes to help educate and to help share stuff about agriculture, which is awesome. Everybody wants to be entertained. Everybody loves memes. So I think that is a really cool strategy that David has. So all of his Facebook pages and everything will be in the link below in the description. And I hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Um, We really appreciate everybody for listening. I think this is a really, really fun interview. So enjoy this conversation with David Hafner. All right, David, um, I think you are the second person we've had who is a repeat guest so welcome back awesome. to the show man i'm excited to chat with you again yeah no, I'm, I'm excited to be back on thank you 
So you are, I mean, you're pretty famous across Florida and also across Facebook. I mean, you've got the farmer advocate page. You're everywhere when it comes to Florida and agriculture. So like, how have you been? What have you been up to since our last interview, like a couple of years ago? Man, yeah, I, I was thinking about that. So I actually went <laughs> back and listened to our, our podcast from, it was 2019. Oh, and, uh, four years ago. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah, it's been a while. I couldn't believe it was that long either. Honestly, I had no <laughs> idea. Um, man, my world has completely flipped upside down since since I was last on with you. It just, I mean, across the board, my life has changed so much. I bet. Yeah. So you've got a, you've got a new job. You've got your farm. Like, tell us what career change has happened in the past couple of years. Okay. So last time we spoke, I had just left, I was at, I was at a, a farm and feed store for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. I had left there. So I was, I was newly at a job where I was managing you know, the office for an electrical contractor, nothing to do with agriculture. Although he, <laughs> my, my, my boss did have a farm and my office was on the farm. So often I was helping to help him with his animals, but that was the only connection to ag in that job. Um, I was there for a good three years. He was a great boss, uh, really, really supportive of me. Uh, during that time, I went back to school, got my bachelor's degree. And uh, just earlier this year, I started as the extension agent for my local uh, extension office. I'm the 4-H agent. So that's a pretty cool opportunity for me. Uh, uh, in my hometown, I was a Martin County 4-H kid. Now I'm the Martin County 4-H agent. So that's something I would have never seen coming. Uh, but I couldn't imagine being anywhere else now. Yeah, that's awesome. So you, I saw your post. You graduated. For, was it from Wagner, right? Uh, Warner. Warner, Warner, Warner. Yep. Warner. Yeah. So they've got, yeah, they've got a really good program. I've seen a bunch of people graduating for there. So that's awesome. Congratulations doing that. And then now you're working the 4-H thing. So I was, I feel like if you're a kid in agriculture, there's two avenues you go down, FFA and 4-H. So I went down the, the, the FFA route. You went down the 4-H and now you're the extension agent for 4-H. So what's the whole 4-H spiel? So 4-H is, uh, it's open to basically all youth ages 5 to 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, our members that are 5 to 7-year-olds, we call them clover buds. Uh, if you were to think about like scouting, you'd have like your um, like your Cub Scouts would be the version, you know, the compatible version of what a clover bud is. So that's our, like a junior member. It's not a full-on 4-H member yet. And then once they reach 8 years old, they become a 4-H member. Um, then they're you know, a member until they're 18 years old, graduating high school and heading on with their lives. That's not bad. That's pretty cool. And I mean, you know, we have FFA, we have the blue jacket. 4-H mm-hmm. has the green jacket, which I really love the shade of green. I mean, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot of green for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, and honestly, if, if you look, if you look, I, I, I actually want to get one. We have green corduroy jackets. Uh, so if you if you look at the FFA jacket, there's a there's a 4-H version of that. Just green. So yeah, they're, they're yeah. pretty sharp. <laughs> yeah, the first time I saw it, I was like, wait, did they dye their, their FFA jacket green? What is that? Yeah. And I saw like the patch <laughs> and everything. I'm like, okay, no, that's legit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I, I know every county is different. Like what all are you guys super active in? And like what do the kids really enjoy doing? Yeah, so, you know, at, at the core of 4-H, it's about, uh, well, we have three, there's three pillars of 4-H, just three kind of three main focuses. Um, we do civics and leadership is one pillar. Uh, there is um, STEM and agriculture is the mm. second one. And the third one is healthy living, whether that be eating healthy, um, healthy mindset, you know, anything to do with healthy living. That's, that's the third pillar of 4-H. Um, so, and then we, we teach with hands-on activities. It's all about immersing yourself into the lesson. Um, so one of the big things in my county and it's really awesome because this is the kind of thing that I'm into is livestock. 
Mm. Uh, we have a lot of kids um, in our, so you have, there's also within 4-H, just like you have the two different routes, FFA, and you have 4-H. In 4-H, we have kind of two different routes that we serve. So we have our community clubs. The community clubs are the typical kids you would see uh, at your county fair uh, with the livestock showing, showing the animals. Then we also have in-school and after-school programming mm, that we okay. offer. So that's a great way to meet kids who don't have a space for livestock, but they you, you want to make sure they get that awesome um, 4-H programming. So I, I do both of those. Uh, but going to the the traditional uh, community club, so we do a lot of immersive, like I said, the livestock. So the livestock is teaching kids through hands-on activities. They're teaching them compassion because these kids are getting these animals very small and they're mm-hmm. raising them up to be full size, whether it be a market project like with their steers or their swine, uh, whether it's just a, uh, a project where they're going to keep the animal, like you have your goats, your rabbits, your chickens. You know, at our fair in our county, we don't sell those animals. Uh, some counties do, but in, in our county, we don't. Uh, but they still have to go through all the same motions of caring for that animal, having responsibility for that animal's life, you know, making sure they're being good stewards to that animal. Um, so it, it, there's really a lot of great lessons that go into that hands-on learning um, with the livestock. And then, like I said, that's just one small part of what we do in 4-H. Um, and that's been a huge, huge, huge part of Martin County 4-H. It's a livestock. And like I said, I really appreciate that. I was a Martin County livestock kid, you know, raising horses. I was in an equine club, as I mentioned, in our last uh, show together. And um, But there, that, that's just a small part. We also have, you know, the healthy living, you know, teaching kids. Like right now, they're getting out of school for the summer, and they're going to be spending a lot of time around the house. Hopefully, they're making good food choices. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have the cafeteria making their diet plans for them, and parents are busy. They're still working. They don't get summer off. So, you know, teaching them how to make good choices in, in the kitchen uh, when they're grabbing their snacks, just to make sure they're staying healthy throughout the summer. Um, there is um, leadership. Uh, I took kids up to our state capitol about a month ago and met with all of our representatives. And, you know, I introduced them, but then I stood back and I wanted our kids to talk with the representatives and tell them what's going on in our communities. And those kids, they, they were a little shy at first. But they, they took right to it. They were thriving in it. By the third visit, we have three different representatives in our county up in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. By the time we got to our third representative, our kids were questioning representatives, which was really awesome to see. So you just give it's all about creating the opportunities so they can thrive. I bet that was really cool to see them interacting um, at the Capitol. I mean, I'm sure you were trying to prepare them, like get them ready for it. And then they start asking the questions. You're like, yeah, paid off. Like they're doing a really good job. I bet that was yes. really cool to see happen. It is so awesome to, to watch that when you see, you know, you know that they have it in them and then you see them finally open up and take in those, those steps. It, watching it, Even though they're not my personal kids, I have a lot of pride in watching them take those steps. Like, what would be the breakdown, you think, of like the 4-H members that either come from agriculture or they come from non-agriculture breakdowns, like at least for you guys as county? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I don't know that I have that that definite answer. Um, just just in my experiences, you know, before I became the 4-H agent, I was a 4-H volunteer in our county for seven years and a 4-H club leader for five. So I have been immersed in the kids and then also at the feed store. Um, I was servicing these kids, you know, when they came to buy their feed. So I, I've had a lot of experience with the kids. Um, I would say, um, man, I, I, 
probably 50 50 you know mm. a lot of the kids that do have ag backgrounds it, it might not even be their parents so a lot of times it's their grandparents um but it's probably 50 50 a lot of the kids i mean some of the kids that are popping in my head right now their parents are not in ag but now they're graduating high school and they're heading off to you know abraham baldwin agricultural college and um you know, they're looking for, I just had a, a talk yesterday, a kid, uh, he's not a kid, he's 21 now, but he was a 4 <laughs> kid and he was in my club and now he's over at Florida Gulf Coast University and he, he's just, he's thinking, you know, I don't know if I'm heading for the right career. I really miss my time in agriculture. You know, his mom was a teacher, his dad, a police officer, you know, no ties to agriculture other than his time in 4-H. Mm. And now, you know, that, that's got him hooked and he's looking to like, I don't, I don't want to leave agriculture. So it, it really is a program that is a, it's a great introduction for kids that haven't had that that uh, opportunity to, to have the farm experience to, to get a piece of it. Yeah, I love that both, I mean, 4-H and FFA do that. I mean, they get a lot of students that, you know, weren't in agriculture and then they get a taste of it. They're like, wait, like, you know, I mean, I know you hear this all the time. They're like, I didn't know that agriculture was more than cows, cows and plows. And you yeah. show them everything. <laughs> you show them all like the speaking competitions that you do in both of them. They're like, this is actually really cool. And yeah. you can, you know, like, they then become that connection for their friends and family about agriculture. So I think that's really cool that, you know, 4-H is doing that like the whole yeah. way through, like from a little kid to 18. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Decubulus, he's, um, he's one of our state specialists in 4-H. Uh, super, super great guy. Um, he said this at one of a, a conference I was at. He said, you were not just cows, cows, and plows, but we are really good at that. <laughs> but we also are you know, everything else. So yeah, we, we are that, but we're also so much more in both organizations. I, I greatly appreciate our FFA program. Um, definitely have done a lot with them over the years. Um, I think one of the main differences between what they're doing, and what we're doing is that we're more after school, they are in school, you know, that's an in school program We're we're additional to school. Um, also, the size is obviously, a, we're a lot bigger uh, na nationally, but that's because FFA is going to be only high school and maybe some middle schools. Right. You know, we're, we're all age ranges. So, you know, they're going to be like 800,000 nationally. Uh, we're like six and a half million nationally. So, Oh, wow. I didn't know that was so big. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, 4-H is our nation's <clears throat> largest uh, youth development, positive youth development organization. That's really cool. And yeah, I mean, like you're saying, like you're there for not just middle school and high school, but also like elementary school and that's like a really big development area i mean oh, yeah. is it is it fun working with that age, age range i haven't i've worked with middle schoolers high schoolers but not elementary schoolers so like how is that it is a lot of fun you know and that goes to the other half of what i teach the the in school or in after school programming um so i go there to um so so okay so i am with the martin county extension is also called the cooperative extension and the cooperative comes in that we are a partnership between the state, you know, University of Florida in my case, and with the county, with the Martin County County Commissioners. Uh, so part of our agreement is that they help me with certain things and I help them with certain things. And one of the things I do is I teach after school programming in three of our parks and recs after school programs. Mm. And so those are uh, kindergartners through fifth, uh, fifth graders. And so I'm in there teaching STEM and nutrition. And, you know, it's, it's a mix. I would say most of the kids are the younger ones, um, kindergartners, first graders. And, um, you know, it, 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 it is a little bit, it can be difficult because now you're, you're, all these kids are together yeah. and you want to make sure you're keeping the attention of the older kids. You don't want to make it too simple, but you also don't want to make it too hard because the little guys want to get lost. <laughs> um, but watching those little guys, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of, 
you know, like I said, you have to kind of tailor it, but just watching them making little discoveries on their own, you know, making that lesson fit their base, their their knowledge base, it, it's, it's, a, it's really cool. And on top of that, the way I teach these things is I do a lot of open-ended questioning. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I say, what do you think about this? I, I, and I try to make it very plain to, just to pull whatever information I can out of them and see what they're really grasping. And even the little guys are, they're getting their hands up in the air. I remember this and, and, and they're spot on. And not only am I asking the questions when I'm teaching the lesson that day, but I'll ask them again two weeks later and I'll ask them again, do a recap. And those same kids, I mean, they're, they're raising their hands, they're, they're, they're absorbing it. And just because it's, it's a different way of learning. You know, these kids are just spent all day at school. I get them about an hour after they get out of school. And now they're back in a, a classroom setting with me for an hour. But they're not just sitting there. It's hands on. I'm having them build, you know, building towers out of marshmallows and, and spaghetti <laughs> or making boats out of clay and teaching aviation with paper airplanes. And, you know, they, they make the paper airplanes. Like it's, it's immersive really awesome to watch you know all the age ranges really catching on and, and absorbing this stuff that's awesome I, I feel like that's definitely a balancing act like making a lesson where it's good for both the older kids and the younger kids i mean because that's like i mean that's three different age ranges like elementary school middle school high school like that's a lot of different like learning styles for all those mm-hmm. students so i'm sure i'm sure you're always like trying to fine tune the lessons and figure out what's going to work best for everybody Yes. No, I, I definitely do. Luckily, when I do teach, it's usually three days in a row, three different sites. Mm. So I have a, like the week before I can have plenty of time to really, you know, think about the lesson, hone it down. And then, yeah, like you said, make it fit so that everyone's going to get something out of it. That's super cool. And so you've been doing this for how long? Uh, I, I officially started January 3rd. Um, it was more like end of January because right after I started, I was on the job for three days and then I zoomed off to Puerto Rico. Uh, it wasn't so much a vacation i was there uh the american farm bureau uh, annual convention was in puerto rico this year and so i was there as a guest speaker and then i also got opportunity uh to tour the island with um a leadership program through american farm bureau that i had joined since we last talked um so that was really cool opportunity to visit uh, the largest dairy in puerto rico and uh, the, the agriculture research center and the Bayer crop sciences facility and even got to jump in the very black water in the middle of the night and do a bioluminescence tour, which went against every fiber of my body being a Floridian. You don't go in the water at night, but uh, I did it. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> it's terrifying. It was so terrifying. It really was. A fish swam by me. I was like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. That was a gator. I know it was a gator or yeah. like, I'm out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, you, you do a lot of traveling. And of course, with your Facebook page, you do a lot of really good stuff like promoting agriculture, promoting Florida agriculture. And so what all have those experiences been like, especially like going around and doing some speaking engagements and just kind of sharing kind of the story about agriculture? Yeah, no, I've had a lot of great opportunities. You know, last time last time we talked, I, I had come off being a member of the uh, Florida Young Farmers and Ranchers. Um, since then, I was on the American Farm Bureau Partners and Advocacy Leadership Program. Nice. Okay. Um, so that was like elite level um, advocacy training. It, it was incredible. Really, really shaped me a lot. Um, so that's a, it's a two year program through American Farm Bureau. Uh, thanks to COVID, ours was three. Uh, That's a plus. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, so you you there's basically five different trips that um, that you take. So the first the first step is you meet in um, New York City, 
and that is a media engagement. You learn all about doing radio interviews, uh, TV interviews, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff, newspapers. And, um, and you also, while you're in New York, you really learn about other cultures. You learn about other ways of living. You know, we're all of us, um, you know, we're all from farm, rural communities. And then we're now in the big city and seeing how different it is and how, how they all, you know, the grocery stores are small because they're, you know, they're only purchasing for like one or two days of food at a time. So they're, they're way their way of purchasing and their priorities for purchasing are so different than ours. So it was just a total immersive uh, experience. And I forgot to mention, so there's 10 of us in the program from all over the country and we're selected. Each state can submit two applicants per state. So there's there's Mm -hmm. a potential of a hundred applicants and only the top 10 make it. So it really is an elite program to be selected. Uh, So we we were the 10th class. Um, The second uh, get together was in Washington, DC. Uh, that was then uh, learning how to meet with your uh, representatives. Uh, what was cool about that is that we didn't meet with our representatives. We met with their staff. There is so much value in meeting with the staff. And I'm really glad I got that lesson because, because, you know, sometimes you might not get along with your representative, like, <laughs> like in my case, <laughs> Yeah, there you go. but their staff, I get along great with them and they, so many great opportunities have come because of the staff in that relationship that, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of value in there. And, and when, when it comes down to it, when the discussions in the back room are happening, when the doors are closed in the office and it's, and the representative is trying to decide how he's going to vote, it's the staff who was there advising him. Um, so there was a lot of value in learning that lesson. So that was really cool. Uh, the third, the third module, which we were on uh, about a week out from going to, when COVID hit and then we got shut down mm. was visiting bear over in uh, St. Louis, uh, which would have been really awesome. We didn't get to do that, but like we, we had the opportunity to go to the one in Puerto Rico. Um, so that was, that was one that we missed out, but we, we, we switched over to zoom and started, uh, that was stakeholder engagement, um, which is very valuable now in, in my position, having that stakeholder thought, you know, thinking about what, what are the stakeholders to me and what are they needing out of our kids? What, what can I teach our kids to make them more valuable to the stakeholders and give our kids better opportunities when they're, when they come become older, you know? So that was a great lesson to learn. And then the fourth more module is an international trip. Uh, We were scheduled to go to China. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Which obviously quickly got canceled when I can imagine. Yeah. (laughs) With all the shutdowns, uh, then we tried to shift towards Puerto Rico. Not sorry, not Puerto Rico, Japan. Um, unfortunately, that also got squashed. Oh, man. You know, just every the whole. You know, we nobody knew what was going on at that time. It was still early 2020, and nobody knew what was going on. So eventually, they just they have they apologized. Basically, said you're not going to get your international. Um, and then the the, the final is the uh, graduation, which is at the uh, annual Young Farmers and Ranchers Conference held by American Farm Bureau. Um, so it was just, it was such a great opportunity to, uh, not only, you know, gain this knowledge that giving us, but you spend so much time with these other nine farmers, you know, really getting to know each other and learning about agriculture across the country and how, you know, their farmers do grow same crops across the country, but in such different ways, there's mm. such a diversity to agriculture. Um, you, you, just looking at Florida itself, you know, there's farmers growing potatoes in, in, in South Florida, like down in Lewiston. And there's farmers growing potatoes up north, closer to Jacksonville, but they're growing them in completely different ways because they have completely different soils, they have completely different climates. You know, on social media, especially, because that's the easiest way to communicate. Um, you'll see people saying, "That's not how you do that." 
well, yeah, it is where they are. They're they're in a completely different place than you are, so they can't do it the way you're doing. It. So, you know, learning learning from these people and learning from the program was really awesome. I, I've used a lot of the things that we've done since then in um, you know getting calls from reporters saying, "Hey, I need you in two hours." It, before that PAL program, I'd have been like, "Ghost, you, you, I don't exist. You're not going to get me." Oh yeah, I'm too, I'm too shy. You're not. I'm, I, I can't do that. But so I've, I've been on the news several times, you know, since the PAL program because I had those I had those skills. I knew how to um, I knew how to answer the questions. I knew how to not only answer the questions but turn them around to so I can say what I planned to say and to make sure that at the end of the at the end of the interview I'm going to have the last word. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you don't want to have like any, you know, like a viral moment to go from your interview. Like you've got to be well prepared. <laughs> yes, that's it, very important. Yes, unfortunately, there's there's still the edit that the uh, that the reporter can do at the end and you know switch things up. But hopefully, you you, you got to take some time also to uh, to make sure you got a reputable reporter. You know, so yeah, that's true. And so going back a little bit, like, what's it like working with like legislatures? Like when you want to like get some sort of law, get them to recognize it or make some big change. Because I know, for example, in Florida, there's been a lot of discussion over like water quality and like how that impacts all of us, how that impacts farmers. Like what advice do you have for anybody that might want to contact their legislature and try to, you know, fix something in their state? I, I would say you start early. You've got to start mm -hmm. very early um, and build relationships with your representatives. Uh, get to know them when they're running for office. Um, yeah, you know, I've been very lucky. Almost every time I pick a candidate that I think is going to be somebody I want to support, they, they get elected. Nice. Uh, so I'm usually on very early with that. It's not often I, I don't pick the right one. Um, but don't don't stop with just the one you think is going to be picked. Get to know them all, because at least a little bit. That way you're, you're, you're recognizable to them. Um, and don't just go with the party that you are. Like yeah. you're a Republican, don't just talk to the Republican representatives. Talk to the Democrat representatives. It's you know it, it, they're going to represent everybody, no matter what what letters next to their name. So make sure you're you're hitting both sides of the aisle, um, and then build meaningful relationships with them. Like don't just use them. They're still people. Uh, they're people just like you and me. They they have job to do. Um, not only are they representing us in, in our you know Congress and, and in the Senate or in your state house or even county commission. But they also have a job back at home, more than likely too. Um, so they're they're people just like us. Just you know, take the time, get to know them. Um, that way, when it comes time that there's an issue that's important to you, you have those contacts. You have that relationship base already there, and you can reach out. And you're not just some stranger at that point trying to get your word in. You you have a, a foothold that you can actually get a meeting, and what you say actually matters, has value to it because they know that you're a reputable person, that you're a real person. Um, so just just getting started early, there's a lot of value in that. And then um, and be consistent. You know, um, don't just reach out to them when you need something. You know, check on them and, and ask them, hey, is there anything that you have coming up that you need help with? Mm -hmm. uh, just giving that ask. You know, if, if it's something that aligns with what you believe in, jump on and help them. Um, you know, during election season, just waving a sign can can mean a lot. So that's hard, especially after COVID, getting volunteers is so hard. So being willing to, to be one of those volunteers, uh, it goes a long way. I can imagine. And you said something that I didn't think people could say in 2023. And that's if you're a Democrat, look for the Republicans. If you're a Republican, look for the Democrats. Like, yep. I feel like it's so weird that that's so foreign to so many people. They're like, nope, I'm Republican. I'm not looking for a Democrat at all. Like, I'm not even going to entertain yeah. the idea. 
But like, it doesn't matter what political party you're on. You can have good ideas. Like we need to look at all the yes. political parties. We've got to get past that bias, which yeah. I think that's a very good point that you brought up. Yeah, there's, there's a state representative, um, Representative Chambliss. I hope I said that right, but he's down in Miami, a state representative in Florida. And he's just a good old farm boy. And that's what he calls himself. I, I believe he's either from Mississippi. I think he's from Mississippi, either that or Louisiana. But just a good old farm boy. And he votes for agriculture. Mm-hmm. He's a Democrat. But you know what? Him and me have the same goals. We want to support our farmers. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk to him. When I go to D.C., DC when I go to Tallahassee, I'm going to find him. I'm going to shake his hand. I'm going to say thank you for what you're doing for the farmers. Yeah, there you go. It's it's okay to disagree on certain topics because I guarantee you we can all still find common ground on like whatever that is. Agriculture, not agriculture. Right. So I think those are all some very, very good points that I think we especially need in 2023, which is always interesting. Yes. Yeah, we definitely need more getting back to the middle, um, realizing that we're all humans on this earth. We can disagree and not have to hate each other. We can we can get along. <laughs> we we can get along. And key fact, we have to get along. We do. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I mentioned about all the, all the stuff going on in Florida. I mean, like what other issues like you're you have like your finger on the pulse of all things Florida agriculture? Like what are some other issues going on in the state that people might not be aware of? Uh, I mean, I think the two biggest ones in, in my mind and they have been problems for for a while is one is development. Uh, that's always been a, mm. a big problem for ag. Um, unfortunately, when a farm gets to the point where there's not the next generation to take it over, and it's going to be developed, the, the, the farmer has to sell it. You know, the farmer has to retire at some point. So if, he, if nobody's going to buy it out and continue farming, he's going to sell it. What's going to happen is that a development's going to buy it, and it's going to be developed. I mean, yep. it's unfortunate that the farmer has to have a way to retire at some point. So I, as much as I don't want to see that land developed, the farmer has a right to retire at some point. He's, <laughs> he's worked a lot of hours. It's, it's, his, it's his turn. Um, so development is definitely an issue. Um, it's an issue for a lot of things. It's not just an issue for agriculture. It's an issue for the environment, you know, for water quality, um, for wildlife. Um, you know, Carlton Ward has his uh, awesome documentary out the path of the panther that's talking about how our wildlife corridors are getting cut off and these mm. species are, are going, you know, going instinct, extinct because they're getting hit by cars because they have nowhere to go, you know. Um, so, you know, last I heard, we had over a thousand people moving to Florida a day. I don't know if that number's changed. It was a lot, about, a year, about a year ago since I heard that number. Um, so, you know, that's that's huge. Um, so, you know, that, that's one big issue is, is losing land uh, for farming. Um, and then the second is the uh, pressures that our domestic farmers are facing from uh, imported produce that's being sent over at costs that our farmers can't match because uh, it's just it's not fair. It's not that our farmers can't grow just as well as that you know our farmers are held to higher standards, which costs more money. Uh, and then you know it, it's amazing to me that that produce can get over here from Mexico and Honduras and Peru and be sold at a lower price point than farmers right here in Florida, but it's because they, they're it's not an equal playing field. So I know that's something that um, Congressman, not Congressman, Senator Rubio, Marco Rubio, he's been on that for a while, trying to get a better trade deal for our Florida farmers to recognize the seasonality of our produce. And um, and, and I, I really believe that Mexico specifically is targeting our growing seasons to push our farmers out. Um, other states are now coming on board. I just had a talk with the, uh, a gentleman from Michigan who's a 
Uh, he supports the blueberry industry up there. He said the same thing. He's, he's seeing it too. Uh, the Carolinas and they're feeling it. Um, and it's, and it's more and more that the other countries are targeting our food. And if you think about it, from I don't know this is I don't want to be a conspiracy person, but if you think <laughs> about it from from a control perspective, uh, you want to control a population, you control their food. If other countries want to weaken our, our country, they they take over the control of our food. Now they have control of us. You know, they they they're supplying our food. They can slow down production. They can they can increase prices. You know, they can really do a lot of things for us. So it's really important that we're um, supporting our domestic food supply so that we don't get in a place where we're really reliant on those other countries. And it's not that far off. If you look at how many growers just like tomatoes. It's astounding. I can't think the number off the top of my head, but how many tomato growers we used to have versus how many we have now? It's not even close. Like they're just they're they're going under because they can't compete. Yeah, it's wild to think about how many countries are dumping produce here. Because I mean, it's not like you know, like Mexican organic tomatoes are going to be up to the same standard as American grown organic tomatoes. But like, not only that, and you see it a lot, but also foreign countries buying U.S. farmland. And I saw some, I think it was um, the Discover Ag podcast had covered this on Instagram, where I think Saudi Arabia or somewhere, like they're growing alfalfa here in the States and then shipping it back to Saudi Arabia or wherever it is. Like that's happening. A lot of countries are buying farmland here in the United, United States and they're shipping it directly back. It's weird. And that's been going on for several years now. Yes. Yeah. And I actually, I saw that same thing. That was over in Arizona where they're growing. I think it's alfalfa that they're growing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Actually, I, I can't remember if it has passed at this point. I believe it has. Um, the, our Florida Commissioner of Agriculture, Wilton Simpson, um, helped push through a, a bill that would stop foreign entities from owning Florida farmland. Um, so I think that's very important. I think that needs to be. I mean, that's that's farmland is a national is a national resource. We don't need to be selling that out. We need to be keeping that domestic. And so I'm really proud to have Wilton Simpson as our Commissioner of Agriculture. It's, really nice to have a commissioner of agriculture that actually understands agriculture, who's actually a farmer. Uh, I think we were missing a lot of that over the last four years mm-hmm. <clears throat> that we, you know, we, we didn't have such a strong uh, person in that seat that I'm glad we have that back in uh, Wilton Simpson. Yeah. We're getting back to the basics <laughs> when it comes to all things ag um, in Florida, but yeah, I've, I've been following that and it's just, it's weird. I mean, yeah. like a lot of people don't think about it. They're like, Oh no, that's just a typical farm, but you might drive by it and like, it's being ran and owned and operated and shipped to different countries. Like it's weird. So, yeah. but yeah, I've heard more States are slowly, but surely doing that where they're passing laws where no foreign farmland could be in that state, but you know, hopefully that becomes the norm. So we'll see, yeah. I guess. Yes. That's awesome. So also on, on top of all this, I feel like you're a busy man. You also have your own farm, right? Like you've also got yeah. some livestock, <laughs> you've got some, so how, how's that going? That, that's also a full-time job. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. Um, you know, luckily I have, uh, I have four sons who are very helpful, especially my two older sons, um, uh, Tucker and Sawyer, my older ones. They are 12 and 10 years old now, and uh, you know I've, I've taught them a lot about how to how to work the farm. That way, when I'm not there, they can they can help out. Um, so they they do the morning feeding, they do the afternoon mm. feeding for me, which is super helpful. Um, during school, I, I take over the morning feeding so they can get out of school a lot easier. I try to take that from them, but um, you know we have. We're still trying to figure ourselves out. Um, so like I said uh, in the beginning of our, our show today that, um, you know, my life has really changed a lot since then. So when I last talked to you, I was into 
cattle. I had 15 acres of cows. Um, I was also developing my own, hopefully, line of chickens at that time. Um, you know, I was, you know, I had a lot of dreams to grow produce. Um, so after we had that show, just a few months later, um, I only I owned five acres, at least the 10 acres next to me at that time. Um, a few months later, I got a call from my landlord. He said, uh, we're not going to renew your lease. We're selling the property in two weeks. You need to get your animals off of it. Oh, shoot. And, yeah. I had a two-week notice. Uh, that was in the beginning of 2020. Uh, before COVID hit, I was already getting issues. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that's no and, fun. Uh, yeah. So I had to, I had two weeks. So there was not enough time to do anything with that. I didn't have enough land to keep my cows. So I had to sell off my entire herd of cows, um, which wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, I shouldn't say a whole herd. It was 10 cows, but, you know, to me, that was a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, so I had to sell off my cows. I had to, you know, I, I just was really kind of reeling from that. Like, I didn't know where to go at that point. I, had, I only had five acres and I was living on the five acres. So I didn't have a full five acres to farm on. And, yeah, I, I started to just lose who I was. And um, I started to really struggle with that. And I, at that point, I kind of decided I was going to get out of farming. Yeah, I always knew that I would always be an advocate for farming. But I was like, you know, I just, I don't think I have a place in agriculture anymore as far as being a farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the property sold, we, um, the, uh, the pe- new people moved in, actually sold it to two different people. And after having been there for like 10 years and treating that property as my own, it was so weird to look out my window and see people on my property. And, I bet, yeah. Yeah. You know, I always felt like somebody was trespassing. Like I needed to rush out there. Like, what are you doing on my property? But it was their property. So I, I didn't even feel at home in my home anymore. And, um, you know, they, they started cutting down trees. And now we lost our privacy. And it just, the whole, everything changed. And uh, so we decided to list our home for sale. We didn't know where we we're going to go, what we we're going to do. Uh, we we're almost out of basically barely farming at that point. We, um, and uh, so we sold our home. And for a year, we lived in a, a camper. Uh, at local parks and uh, we did still have a little bit of livestock we had um we had my son's uh, dairy heifer that he has for a 4-h project we had some sheep um and that was it that's all we had left we sold everything else off and um ended up going in with my in-laws and we bought a property and we're back on on a property now we have a little over six acres and uh we started to rebuild and get back into the farming we gave our kids a choice yeah, we could go live in the city near your school and just have a quarter acre and just live a normal urban life. Or we can seek property again and try to try this farming thing again. The kids wanted the farm. Nice. So that's that's why we stuck to it. I'm really glad they did. Um, so since then, you know, we, we had only two sheep at that time when we bought the property. We're now up to eight. Um, actually just sold six of them. So we're back down. Oh, to back, two. back down to two. <laughs> went up, went yeah. down again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's how farming goes. You raise them up, you sell them off. Um, so we're doing sheep, um, we're doing pigs, uh, poultry, and then a little bit of boarding. We have a horse that's boarded at our house. Um, so we, we board horses as well. We also have a couple horses of our own. Um, and I, it looks like we're now getting into breeding goats. Um, I don't want to have goats. I, goats <laughs> are difficult. But my wife really wanted goats. So for Mother's Day, I came and we got her a couple of Nubian goats. And uh, we got a, two females and we got a male coming. I think we'll be getting back into the goats again, which, which we've done in the past. Uh, I've done a few different things. We've done some meat goats. We've done miniature goats. They just, they always find a way to get out. And I, there's a lot of memes about that, but it's really true. Goats are escape artists. And that's the main thing I don't like about them. 
but that's what I hear a lot too, is that goats, they're, they are the Houdini. They can always get out of any pen and it's always like the most annoying time, like the, yes. the most inconvenient time they will get out. Whenever you're right there, they won't get out. But whenever you're like leaving for work or, or something, that's when they'll get out. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, so far these goats have been good and it's only been a short time, but they've been good so far. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, that's exciting. I mean, yeah, it sounds like that was like a whirlwind of emotions for a, a year or so. Like, you, I mean, you sold the property. You're like, am I going to get back in agriculture? And then you did. And now it sounds like you guys are, I mean, that's like a lot of livestock. That's a lot you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's great. And the kids are really enjoying it. They're really getting into it. And, you know, now my youngest is five years old. He just, he just finished kindergarten. And uh, you know, my, my second youngest, is, uh, he's seven. And uh, they're, they're getting into it. They're helping out now. And they're doing their parts. And you know, we're, we're getting so many eggs right now. Like we're, <laughs> we actually just gave a bunch of the church this uh, last night, <laughs> just trying to find ways to, you know, we really, really need to start selling them, but it's just, um, just trying to also do good in the community as, as much as we can too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot, you know, it, we, like we moved in uh, February of last year mm-hmm. and then we had the hurricanes come through last year. Oh was, yeah, uh, that's right. Oh, the first one, it started with an I, I can't remember the name, um, but we, we didn't get the, the, we didn't get it bad. Um, but the rain that came ahead of that hurricane was so, uh, there was so much of it that we were flooded out. Um, our neighbors had to move horses out because, you know, we, we live in an ag area. And a lot of people had to move their horses out because they had so much water. A friend of mine down the street from us, their barn was completely underwater. Um, luckily, our, the front of our property was dry. So we just had to put all of our animals together in the front pasture and hope they, they got along, which luckily they did. But, you know, that our sheep were all but swimming in the, in the water when we woke up in the morning because there was, just so much rain that came all at one time where we backed up to a, a, a river, um, more like a creek, but it was so backed up that it was flooding us all out. So that was, that was an interesting experience having just moved to the property. Uh, so <laughs> at least now we know where the flood areas are. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's one benefit of it. Yeah. I remember you sharing pictures on Facebook and I was like, Oh my God, cause it was a lot. Like how many inches of water did y'all get? Oh man, it had to been, I mean, feet. it was probably like yeah. feet of, you know, it was up to my knees. Um, I'm not sure. So my kids were swimming in it, which is probably not good because it was the <laughs> sheep pasture. So you know what they were swimming in. But. <laughs> well, hey, th- that's why um, kids that grow up in agriculture, they have the best immune systems because they're exposed to everything, all the germs, and they grow up and they can never get sick, right? That, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so have there been like a lot of really, because you're trying to involve your kids a lot on it. Um, have there been like a lot of really good, like teachable moments between them and farming and about life? Like I'm sure there's been a lot of really good moments like that. Oh, yeah. No, that Farming relates to life in general so often. Um, I think one of the biggest things I've, I've worked on teaching my kids is just observing. Just be observant in everything you do. You know, mm. when you go into a room, you know, just look around. And, and I teach that at home by being observant. You know, watch how your animals are acting. You know, you don't just go and feed the animals. You, you, drop, you drop the feed and the whole time you're watching your animals. Are, did they go right to the feed or did they hesitate? You know, if they hesitate, they might be sick. You know, or, or you know, watch them when they walk away from you. Are they walking with their limp? You know, just just really paying attention to your surroundings has been a, a huge thing, and it paid off. I, I, uh, I, I, so we just got these goats, and we had them in a pen, a pretty good sized pen, but mm-hmm. it's all dirt. And uh, I had the intention of letting them out in the pasture uh, with the horses at night, so they can kind of get grazing. So one night, I didn't tell the kids I was going to do this, but I let the horse, I let the goats out. 
And then I had brought some feet home and I asked them to help me unload it. And they took five steps outside, came right back and dad, the goats are out. So, you know, a year ago, they would have never noticed that the goats were out because they would have had their, you know, their heads looking at their feet. Yeah. Um, because they're now observant to what's going on in the farm, they realize that the goats were out. And I was like, good, you passed the test. You passed the test. Yeah, there was a test. I set you guys up and you passed it. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, so that was really awesome that they, that they uh, caught on to that. So it means that they're they're definitely learning, uh, you know, just just being good um, caretakers of our resources and you know caring for these animals because one day they're gonna most likely have a family of their own. They're gonna need to take care of, and um, you know sometimes you don't want to go out there in the morning and feed those animals. You want to stay in the house. Just like sometimes I don't want to feed my kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like fend for yourself. I'm tired this morning. Yeah, and the animals are expensive, just like those kids are expensive. So it's all it's all you know tying it in that one day uh, these animals could be your kids instead. And so just getting ready for that without them even knowing. I like that. So how do the before I forget, like how how do the goats and the horses interact? Like are they pretty chill around each other? Yeah, actually, the horses don't really care about the goats. They kind of stay away. Nice. Um, one really cool thing about putting them together is that they actually complement each other really well. Um, and goats and horses or goats and cows, they, they do well because, you know, the cows and the horses, they're, they're, they're going for the grass. They want that, that fresh grass. They want the, you know, the, the, the new grass. The goats are, are more going for the weed. Mm, um, okay. So they complement because you know, they're, they're eating different things. Um, so it really, they really go well together in the rotation. Uh, I, I tell you though, the, the cow, uh, her, her name is Rockin' Root. She's a brown Swiss dairy cow. Okay. Uh, I actually got her from uh, the Rucks family over at Milking Our Dairy, uh, Sutton Milk. Hey, uh, nice. Yeah. A fast guess. There you go. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Small world. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she, when we let the goats out, so she stays in the pasture all the time. She gets fed in the pasture. Mm-hmm. She's always in the pasture. We let, we, when we let the goats out, she gets excited. She starts jumping around, just like you see like in the goat videos where the goats are jumping. That's what the cow does. Her, oh, my gosh. She's big. So just see. Just I bet that's adorable. <laughs> yes, it is. I told uh, my wife because I'm not usually there when they let the goats out. You got to get me a video of that. So maybe this weekend while I'm home, I can get that. Yeah, yeah there you go. We'll, <laughs> we'll we'll share it on Facebook, and I'm I'm sure you'll share it. That that'll be yeah. super fun. Yeah, I've seen videos that you know uh, on social media of like cows running around and jumping when they get like a big old ball to play around with. Like, yes. it's funny they start acting like just a really big dog. Like they just want to yes. play, but often they don't know how big they are and they can easily knock you down. Oh yeah, yeah, and I've I thought about that too about getting that ball because I bet she would play with that. That would be a, a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, also you've seen like there are videos of sheep or goats playing with like those big medicine balls, but then they like headbutt it and then they flip over it and usually yes. they, like fall on their back. And of course, if they're the fainting goats, they just like pause <laughs> and they freak out. Are, are yours fainting goats or can they faint? No, these are not. And you know, I would love to have those but that would be dangerous i would probably wear the faint out of them so I would just <laughs> that's true yeah we we eventually want to get some animals and my wife really wants fainting goats i think it would be super fun but yeah i'm wondering right. how that would be like long-term health-wise for them if you're scaring them every day like right <laughs> I, I feel like if you have them and you have people come over you got to show them that they faint and the, the goats yeah. are like okay here we go again let me faint yeah oh, <laughs> that would be so funny um so yeah, like we mentioned before, you're super active on Facebook. You're the the farmer advocate. Like, I mean, you love sharing like all the sorts of information. Of course, funny memes and pictures of, of agriculture on Facebook. I think I think it's super fun. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, you know, I, I started. Um, so okay, here's a couple things. One is that 
farmer advocate. So last time we talked, I was farmer adventures because oh, I was true, a farmer. Yeah. yeah, I was farmer going on adventures. But then after we talked, I kind of, like I said, I started losing that identity, started losing my place. So I became farmer advocate. And I wasn't calling myself a farmer who's an advocate. I was calling myself an advocate for farmers. Mm -hmm. But now that I've gotten back into farming again, I realize that it kind of goes both ways. Yes, I'm a farmer for all advocates. Jeez. Advocate for all farmers. But I'm also a farmer who is advocating. So it's awesome that I can take it both ways. Um, and when I first you know, really got the, the, the social media going, I was really, same goal is to educate people and, and help build bridges between the ag community and the you know, people that aren't necessarily in, in ag. And um, yeah, I was really having a hard time getting an audience. And I realized that you know, people are so inundated with information that you, you can't just give back because nobody wants that. People want to be entertained. Yeah. But that, the memes have been a great way to build that bridge that I can share memes with meaning but they're also fun to share and they're fun to laugh at. Um, so I try to do a lot of fun stuff and I do try to mix in some serious stuff. because I really do want to be a good resource and share some stuff, but it seems like the, the memes have really taken over and I enjoy it. Like I was at, um, a, we call it extension symposium at the university of Florida a couple weeks ago, basically all of the extension agents from the state had the opportunity to come together and network and, and learn. And, and um, so, uh, I was in a workshop and they said, what's your favorite way to communicate? All these people are giving these great answers face to face. You know, I was like memes and everyone laughed, but I was like, no, I'm serious. Memes like yeah. really works. Give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's an effective tool. I mean, like you're saying, like people want to laugh. They want to have fun. Like when you draw them in with the meme and whatever that might be, you can have like a good little like information in the caption. I think that's a win-win. I mean, you draw yeah. them in with the laughs and it makes it memorable and then make it like a little teaching moment. I think that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and I've had people ask me, like, man, where do you find all these memes? I, I don't. I make them. Like, yeah. You know, I, I, there's a lot of inspiration. I might get inspiration by other people, what they're doing or what they're posting about. But, you know, there's it's easy. Just just Google meme generator and just pick a template and then just put the words in and you're good to go. I just, I just that's all I'll do. I'll just scroll through the memes until one catches my eye. It's like, oh, I could turn that into this. And then you know, there you go. Yeah, it's so. I mean, I've made a couple of memes before, and it's, it's so easy. Yeah, you just Google meme generator, and then you can kind of get overwhelmed because there's so many memes, there's so many templates you can use. And I mean, yeah. honestly, you can also just like make your own memes if you've got like a good picture, or good video. So oh, yeah. really, the sky's the limit. Oh yeah, like your screen recorder feature on the phone makes it so easy to to record a short, funny clip that's from a movie, and you can change that that movie clip to mean something else. You know, there's definitely a lot of opportunities if you if you have. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, even with things like reels, you know, you can like on Instagram, you can make a quick little video, whether it's like, you know, a scene from the office or parks and recreation or whatever, yeah. like you can just turn like a funny little video moment into a meme. Maybe it goes viral. Maybe it gets into a lot of people. So yeah, you yeah. never know. It's going to make people laugh. You never know what's going to go viral. I think that's one of the cool things about social media. Yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely, it takes a lot of work though. You know, I think a lot of people get discouraged. I've seen a lot of great um, some people with some great potential to be great uh, at just sharing these stories, but there's, it's, it's so easy to get burned out because you're not getting, you don't feel like you're getting the attention that you that you mm -hmm. you know to make it worth it. Um, but I think it, and I, I sometimes feel that like I feel like like I don't want to do this anymore. Like I, I get down on it. Like, but then I, 
I, re- I realized that you know, I'm reaching 200,000 people a month just by making memes. Like, this is, you know, it's important that people get connected with agriculture. And I've had people tell me that, they're, that they've gotten better connected because of the stuff I'm doing. And I could tell you, as awesome as it is to see one of my posts getting likes and likes and likes and likes and getting shared all over, I mean, that really is awesome. But if I'm reaching one person in a meaningful way, that's what I'm here for. I'm, as much as I, I want those likes, I know they're going to build my account and help me reach more people. If I can just reach that one person, I'm good with that. You know, I, I think it's, it's hard for some of these people because they want that, they want to grow, and that that's more of their focus. And if you're not getting that growth, it's, it can be hard, especially because some of these new accounts I see they're rocketing past me. You know, they're getting ten thousand, fifteen thousand. Yeah, you know, they've only been going at it for a year. Most mm. because they're better than me. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> or they're more entertaining. Or maybe they had that one post that really went well and it got them a lot of followers. But it, it's not, you just you gotta have that mindset that you're just here because you want to do good and uh, get a lot of good out of it. Yeah, man, I feel the exact same way. I mean, because you work so hard on like you know making content like podcasts, memes, whatever it is. And then you're like, man, like these people are getting more views or more downloads or more interaction. And you're like, you know what? Like, as long as one person is listening, like, I think that's fine. Like, I remember, and and I'll tell you this story. I was a little bit down because our downloads had gone down. And then you shared a post of you listening to the Field Rose episode. And you're like, I literally got to the location and the episode wasn't over. So I just stopped in my truck. I was like, you know what? That's why I'm podcasting. Like, I think that's yeah. awesome. So I was like, thank you very much, David, for, for sharing yeah. that story. Because, <laughs> I mean, you never know like what podcast, what meme is going to impact somebody. And like you said, like if it's one person, that's a job well done. Like it doesn't have to be a million people. Like one person, totally good. Yeah, yeah, and that, that was a good one. I did enjoy that with uh, Randy. Um, was it was it Randy? It was Jim. Was it, uh, I need to have Jim. Randy on. <laughs> Randy's salty that he wasn't on the show, so I had Jim on. I, yeah. I felt like Jim would be a, a safe bet instead of Randy. Yeah, that's probably a good call. Yeah, that was great. I, I was going to UF for some training, and I was like, I'm just going to sit in the parking lot until this is over. I can't, I can't get out now. <laughs> there you go. Yes, yeah, that, that, that was a super fun one. Yeah, he's in. Um, I forgot that he was in Malone, so um, mm-hmm. he's like maybe an hour and a half from me. So I'm going to try to go visit him maybe one day. That'd be super fun. Yeah, or maybe go visit yeah. Randy. That'd be kind of crazy yeah. driving the tractor with Randy. That'd be fun. <laughs> Run into a yeah, few it, telephone poles. And if you do go, go visit the Malone uh, FFA chapter. That is an awesome group of kids right there. I had a chance to meet them uh, at the uh, FFA convention last year. That was a great group of kids. Right there. Yes. So Miss Barber is amazing. So when I ran for state office, I actually ran against a kid. His name was Cody from Malone. And then I won. And then throughout the whole year, like Miss Barber and I got so close. Like she's so cool because like I'm a, I'm a Florida State fan that also went to UF and she was a Florida State <laughs> fan that taught agriculture. And I, I don't think she went to UF, but we, we called each other nobody. So it was so fun. Like, yeah, Malone's awesome. They're a really, really good program. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, ag teachers are awesome. 4-H extension yeah, yeah. people. Awesome. We're a good group of people. Yes. No, no, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, man, this has been awesome catching up, seeing what all you're doing. If people, obviously you're on Facebook. If people want to follow you, see what you're doing, where can they go? I mean, the easiest way to find me is just go to my website, uh, farmeradvocate.com. All my social links will be there. A little bit about me is on there. Uh, I do need to update it a little bit, but it's all on there. If you want to check out all the podcasts I've been on, you know, uh, article. I do write local articles. Um, a lot of the times they are about agriculture. Um, so, yeah, farmeradvocate.com. That's just the easiest way to find me. Nice. Well, we'll link all that below. Well, David, thanks so much for being on. We'll have to touch base, not in another four years. We'll touch base a, a lot quicker than that. <laughs> 
That sounds good. Hey, maybe next time I'll have a podcast. I'll have you on. <laughs> hey, you never know. That's always fun. We always need more ag podcasts. So that would be a blast. I think you'd be a great one. I appreciate it. Thanks again to David for coming on the show. And thanks again to you for listening. Really appreciate it. Always consider um, sharing this episode if you learned a thing or two. Share it with a friend. Share it with a family member. Or, of course, share it on social media. Uh, We will be back with a brand new episode next week. And, of course, if you want to see clips, head over to YouTube, head over to Facebook, head over to Instagram, where we post clips of all the interviews and a whole bunch of other cool stuff about podcasting and agriculture. Just search Farm Traveler on your favorite social media app, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Adios.